In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast, the Psychedelic Roundtable. We are here on Sunday. It's the regular team. Hope everyone is having a great day. We we got into some some weeds last weekend. We talked about uh, Kanye and Dr. King and Irving and doctors that are prescribing people's drugs. Today, it's kind of an open forum. You know, I was thinking about the idea of influence for a while. Mm. In a, Paul and I were talking last night a little bit about the way in which the world seems to be changing. And I think we're moving into a new power dynamic. The way I see it is for so long, we've been under this form of power that is very coercive. It's this idea of a power that comes in and says to you, look, you will be obedient to me. And they show themselves like the, the state has a monopoly on violence. But that type of power isn't the highest form of power. The highest form of power is the power you don't ever see because the power that you can't see, you can't even question. So I'm just curious, Jason, like, how do you, how do you see, when I say to you influence, what do you Hmm. think of? Well, it got me. Yeah. Very interested. I looked it up. I was curious of the definition, right? Just like when we say it. So I looked up, says the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. So this idea of, of, of uh, my mind went to like social influencers, right? How like we, we have this reality that people online could influence the masses. But at the end of the day, the social influencers feel like the puppets of the real power. Like they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying, buy this product, do this thing. Like the influencers that are making now gobs of money, like you can have a career on TikTok. And this is something that's being sold to this generation that you can have and weld influence to a point. 
right? As long as it's like paying, like there's money and, and you're basically this product. So you don't really have influence. You know, at the end of the day, like the thing you can't see is what's driving this whole right. reality. And that's where the influence truly lies. So we kind of have this bill of goods have been like um, sold to us as this lie. I don't know. What is, what is that? What does that bring up? Yeah, I, I, it seems to me that, you know, it's just another form of subjugation. You know, and I, like when you think of people as subjects, right? Like the, there was a time when, you know, you would look back at history in the Middle Ages and the king would look at the people like his subjects. Mm -hmm. And even though we live in a different type of government, it still seems to me like the people, it seems we're moving from subjects yeah. to objects. You know, now we're, we're like, everyone's a number. With digitization comes a number. And when you give people numbers, you strip their humanity away from them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. When you see this different different type of influence, yeah, it's, it's, it's a more sinister type of influence. Because mm -hmm. you're right, you can be a TikTok star. But <clears throat> for anybody who wants to be an influencer, go on LinkedIn and look at all the job postings. And it's people paying you to be a TikTok influencer. So even though you say you're an influencer, you're just a puppet. You're just a person that's doing what they're told. You might yeah. as well be an employee working on the assembly line. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. It it's exactly the same, only different. It is. I mean, it's, and I think that's the, 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 the thing we got to begin calling out. Like these people you're listening to that you think are, giving you again the effect of the character like you should be this way right and again all we see that the influencers really bring is some form of consumerism that's right. how you're influencing people there's no like thought influencers in my my like in the sense of like provoking because again you know not to to bring up kanye but even now let's talk Kyrie. come on let's mm. let's drop the kanye let's talk Kyrie, right <laughs> The dude has a shit ton of money, a lot of quote unquote influence and says the wrong thing and starts getting canceled. Right. And even to like his Instagram post that was, did you guys know what's, what happened with Kyrie? Maybe fill everybody in. So basically, you know, Kyrie Irving player for the, 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 um, the nets, um, and struggling to connect with this team. He went anti-vax. So he was one of the players that didn't play at all last year. Cause he never got vaccinated. And then this year, he shared something just recently that was somewhat anti-Semitic on some levels, and he got a five-game suspension. And so the NBA came down on him because, of again, whatever he was saying, again, does he truly have influence? And then he gets in trouble, and then he has this Instagram post of like his apology. But it was so fake. You could tell some PR company wrote it. And there was even like grammatical issues with it. So it made it seem like he typed it up on his phone. Like, that's not influence. Like, he doesn't really have influence. He can't shape the character or development, you know, of someone else. Or maybe he does in the actions. I don't know. This is where it gets confusing. Like, does he have influence by doing that stuff or, or not? Because he's being told he's a bad boy. Well, he... um. So you got suspended without pay, which is key because so many NBA guys get suspended with pay. Yeah. And um, and I do believe he played last year. He just couldn't play in New Jersey where it was required to be vaccinated to be in a you know a True. public towards like the that. end of the season he did play games that were that were away. Yeah. And um but I mean Kyrie, geez, man. You know, there's there's another one. 
you know, it's kind of always been, um, you know, he's always kind of been, he's been a little bit controversial. He's been a little bit of a, you know, mm-hmm. of a, you know, of a, a little goddess, little, uh, what would you call him? A diva. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that guy, you know, that guy's going to get just launched right out of the NBA here real quick if he's not careful. For 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 saying what he thinks is right, or for being not a team player, like I, I think you can make it an argument for for both for both, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he almost blew up the Nets, right? He, you know, he was like, "I'm going to be traded, and I don't like my coach," mm. you know. And then Kevin Durant was the same thing because you know Kyrie wasn't there, and it seemed it, was, it wasn't going to be there, and it was it was kind of back and forth between those guys. I don't I don't really know the dynamics of their relationship, but. You know, I mean, beyond like what he's posting, like Kyrie had already started off as being sort of a, a toxic individual, you know, within the within the brand. He was that way in Cleveland, you know. Um, so I don't know. I think his time is like it's his days in the NBA are numbered. And if he keeps it up, then, you know, he's going to get the Colin, Ka- the Colin Kaepernick treatment. So this is the question of, can you be an influence? Like, because again, I just pulled up his Instagram page. He's got 17.6 million followers. So <laughs> you'd be in the upper echelon, right, of social influencers. Is he an influencer or is he simply an annoyance and, and is not a team player and he's causing problems? I think both, depending on who both? you ask. Yeah. I mean, to one class of people, he's a total nuisance. To another class, he's probably someone they look up to. Which class is bigger? Mm-hmm. Which class does he he which class does he actually have influence with? Is that like a young men wearing his jersey or even older mm-hmm. men wearing his jersey? Or you know, I, I don't know. I it, it it seems odd to me. This is what I posed this question to Paul last night is that you know on some level it's we are seems, podcasting right now, right? Yeah, we, we're live this time, Paul. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I snuck it in on Paul last night. Um <laughs> So on, on some level, you know, it seems to me, could this be a civil rights movement? And let me let me let me try to build a foundation here. In my in my mind, you know, the the Proud Boys, the BLM movement, the um, the fascist movement, these are all groups that came up and then they were compromised. You know, Paul brought up the idea of Hoover and, and how you bring in the CIA or you bring in the FBI to these groups. You infiltrate them, and then you can control the behavior of those groups. It seems to me that what you could be seeing right now, when you have Irving or Kyrie that has 17 million followers, and Kanye that has, you know, 30 million followers, you know, imagine Kanye in a in a stadium with, you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand people. Like that guy's got some influence. You know, when I think of someone in a stadium with a microphone and a hundred thousand people, it's not that much different than Dr. King giving a speech to a group of people. I guarantee the content is very different, but you do have sway over this group of people. If you're holding a mic and you're talking to 100,000 people, even a small percentage of those people that believe in what you say can be dangerous. So I'm Woodstock wondering- 99 what? is the exact example of this I just wanted to say, because like- yeah, What happened? It well, it's the year like Woodstock totally crashed and burned, and it was like uh, remember like Limp Biscuit played, mm-hmm. Nine yep. Inch Nails, um, Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. like they brought in all of this really angry music and corn, the, just, 
Corn was the oh yeah, Corn and Corn's performance again. These guys like put out incredible fucking performances. But I just got done watching the documentary on Netflix, breaking it down, and they basically took all of the things about Woodstock, and it was hosted on a military base. So it wasn't even like it was in the forest like the previous ones. The only way they could feel like they could handle 200,000 people was on a military confines. And they didn't let anybody bring in their food or own water. They fucking charged them to eat there for three days. They had a wall built around the entire thing. So you get this military industrial complex. You build a wall around it. You bring in 200,000 angry young men. Like so, because that's who they fucking loved. Like Limp Biscuit, right? Just thinking back to the dude, like the ultimate fuck you kind of energy in a musician. And that was just the 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 energy of the time. And man, when these guys like Limp Biscuit, if you go back and watch his performance, he was a conductor of two hundred thousand people. He would just say jump, and you would see these waves of kids just moving in unison. It was it was like ultimate control and power. I'm so, sure anyways. I'm pretty sure he said jump, jump, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, if you handed that microphone to Kyrie Irving, you know, on, on a basketball court, and he started, you know, spewing about the shit that he's been spewing about, he's going to get booed because people aren't there to listen and, you know, to listen to, you know, Kyrie Irving talk about life. They're there to watch him play basketball, whereas Dr. King would have rallies and people showed up and everybody there – Mostly, everybody there was there to hear the message, to hear what he what he had to say. So, yeah, Dr. King had large crowds of people who supported his ideas, um, you know, thought that he was on the right track, and and wanted and and wanted to be there to witness this guy speak. You know, Kyrie Irving. You know, I don't know. Like, you're gonna hand him a microphone. You know, no one's gonna care. I don't think okay. anybody cares. But I think the thing that it's important about that, again, I'm not saying what Kyrie is saying right or wrong, but to George's point of a civil movement rising, I'll tell you there are definitely a, a certain number of people that would have said, who cares who's listening to Dr. King? They're, 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 they're not of the same echelon as us. So is there a movement of people that we would say, who cares about what Kyrie is saying? And there's actually a, a new whatever rights movement. I don't want to call it a civil right, but something that's in the i don't know that we're not paying attention to well i don't go ahead Paul. sorry yeah, no go, go ahead ben I was, gonna, I was gonna say i you know i think calling it a civil rights movement is probably a misnomer um i i think it's probably more of a socioeconomic movement of mm. people uh and i think it's been a long time brewing and i think it's really started brewing with the advent of the internet and all of us being you know, starting to be connected to each other and being able to have these conversations. Uh, and also, you know, all influence isn't created equal, right? So when you have, you have like a Kyrie Irving, who's, you know, he's a basketball player. The platform is the NBA. The reason why he's getting shunned for what he's saying is because the NBA is the platform that he's kind of, you know, putting his words mm. out through. Right. And, right. <clears throat> You know, they're not going to allow that for a lot of different reasons. You know, it's just like uh, Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. You know, that guy was one of the rising stars of the NFL, and then now he's not. Um, there's certain things that these organizations and institutions will allow within their confines. Uh, and there's so, I, you know, 
there's a few things going on here. Uh, to your point, George, I think, yes, there is a movement brewing. Right. Uh, and, and I think that movement is just trying to find its legs currently. Yeah, I like that. I, I really do. I like it put better that way. I was going to go, you know, on some level, what I was going to say prior to that was we're one Floyd Mayweather away from there being all hell to pay. You know, if, like you've got Kanye that goes out and says these things. you got Urban that goes out and says these things. What happens if like Floyd Mayweather comes out and says it? Then you start to get this real thing. But I like in, in some ways, look what Kanye was trying to do. And I really like the idea of the socioeconomic model. When Kanye comes out with White Lives Matter, it seems to me like he's trying to build a bridge between black people and white people. He's trying to build a bridge of people together. And I think it is a socioeconomic struggle. When you look at the cities that are having the toughest time, it is the cities that have the least amount of infrastructure in them. They have the least amount of, you know, infrastructure. They have the least amount in them. Or education. Or education. But it's still the least. Like These places have the least. They have no opportunity. And when they have no chance for social mobility. And when there's no social mobility, you're going to see a lot of, violence you're going to see this thirst and this quest for breaking out of disaster so i like the way you you put that as socioeconomic yeah but the the problem is, is they got the wrong villain right yeah in a sense they do um and i think that's always been the goal of the villain is to make sure that nobody has eyes on them yeah I mean, uh, and that's why we have the divide and conquer the bread and circus that's why we have all of these you know dichotomies of media and news that you know uh propagandize everything uh because it it removes the conversation from the actual real problem and the real villains in all of this in, in all of this happening yeah maybe maybe there's a conversation to be had maybe maybe you know you see kanye going on and talking to lex or he's talking to different you know different people maybe they can help point out the power structure that is the problem instead of lex saying just call him out by name maybe he could say you know what maybe the problem is kanye is nobody lives in the united states that you think they live in we live in a total different power structure and instead of blaming this one group of people we should blame this type of power structure what's how you know maybe he could i'm sure lex, lex is a pretty intelligent guy and i'm sure that given the opportunity he could explain that the world that most people think we live in is not the actual world that we live in. Like, you know, how much does your vote matter? How much does, does your Senator vote? What you think, how much are these lines being drawn around? You reflect what's going on. How much of your money is getting sent to other countries? Like all these things are causing the wrong culprit to be put, to have the spotlight on them. And maybe this is a way, maybe, maybe he comes out with a shirt that says Jewish life matters. And then maybe it says all three on there, you know, but, Maybe this is the way we get to the point we need to get to is it starts off like, hey, I want to fight this guy. And you go, wait a minute, I don't want to fight this. I'll fight this guy. No, we don't want to fight that guy. We want to come together and fight this structure up here. Maybe this is the beginning of something that is, is, can be a movement for everybody. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, why, why not, not? Paul? <clears throat> I mean, because right now, what the movement is, what this supposed movement is built on is, is like super flimsy. You know, like you were talking about Dr. King. Well, let's talk about Dr. King. Like Dr. King would point to things about like post-Civil War reconstruction and how it negatively affected 
black people's lives. And these are things that are written down in paper and signed by powerful people, right? Like we can go to a library or we can go to the, you know, like the Library of Congress and we can pull all those documents out and read them. You know, he talked about women's suffrage, not so much, but he did. And these are all things that were well documented, right? Uh, you know, that whole movement, the, the, the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, 1964, 1965, Jim Crow laws, which were actual laws. And so it was, he just would just like, look, there's all this trash on the highway and we got to fix it. We got to get all this trash off the highway so that we as a people can get to where we need to go. And, and what Kanye and what Kyrie Irving are talking about is a bunch of ridiculousness. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a power structure involved that you know, that's been a, like a well-oiled machine and functioning for a very long time. And these guys are finally just waking up to it. But it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with what they're pointing to. Right. And that's that's, it, it, so, therefore, it's fragile. Like, you can go ahead and keep talking about it. But anybody who's had any sort of discussions about any type of, you know, these types of conspiracy theories about Jewish people will know that the conversation lasts about 10 minutes and then, it just stops because there's really no evidence or any proof that anyone could fall back on and go, yeah, look, we got it right here. And so that to me, that's the problem. You know, they got to build their struggle on something real. And so far, both of those guys are failing spectacularly to do so. Right, because they're not aware of the actual of what they're of what they're fighting against. You know, they're looking at, at the ghost in a mirror when, you know, all they have to do is turn around and, and look at all the puppet masters behind them. Um, it's, you know, it's not it's not the, it's not any one group. It's not Jews. It's not white people. It's not any of this stuff. You know, it's old institutionalized money. It's money is 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 where all, of, you know, follow the money. And when you follow the money, you actually you see where those power structures are. And that's when you can begin to identify them. Um, and then it's really interesting. Something you brought up, Paul, is that Dr. King was highlighting those things. And when, you know, when we get to that point in the conversation today, that particular piece of the conversation is usurped by politicians. Because now it becomes the promise of politicians that's going to solve all of these problems. And so, and then now look at just what the situation is. Now you have all of this rhetoric, all of this propaganda, nothing's followed through because nothing's ever real in the sense that a policy is going to be enacted because of these things, because they don't actually determine policies. Policies determined by bureaucrats and lobbyists. Oh, it sounds like what I said last night with freaking George. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know I agree with you 100%, man. You know, what? that's that's what it is you know i mean and so you, you know there for in order for there to be something some sort of movement man where the where the rubber meets the road there's got to be a there you know there's got to be something there okay well let's what if there was a dr king today what would he need to say in a speech in order to galvanize a movement anybody got any thoughts on that if I did, I might become Dr. King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Here's your right. chance, man. Here's your chance. I'm, yeah. George, stop it's trying not... to get me fucking assassinated. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah let me my best Dr. King now. You know, I can't do that. You know. Did you have a dream, Paul? 
got a lot of <laughs> Ben, I know you've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> I have, but I'm not going to sit here and proclaim it right now. I, like I said, I'm, not, I'm in no hurry to get assassinated, crucified, or any of the others. And I, you know, you know, there is a time and a place for this, and I think that time and a place is coming nearer. Um, yeah. And I think as conversations like this begin to infiltrate the zeitgeist, uh, there will be a rise of, of, you know, a new, not necessarily a Dr. King, but some sort of, you know, maybe a group of people who are speaking towards this. Um, and I think we're going to see movements of, you know, uh, parallel economies, parallel systems, parallel experiments, uh, because we do have right now, uh, kind of the liberty and the ability to to do that without you know everybody getting shot. Yeah, I think right now is such an amazing time because you know there is an opportunity for a unifier. There, even though people are shot down, not literally, but they're shot down with their ideas on all kinds of different platforms. I think the world or at least a lot of the world is ready to hear some sense. Like, you know, when the lies get so bad, when the corruption gets so bad that everywhere you look, you see holes in arguments, whether it's the Pfizer reports coming out or whether it's this idea about a pipeline being blown up or this is propaganda about nuclear war. When the lies become so thick, the truth is able to penetrate those those thin veneers of lies but i i think that there is an opportunity right now and i think everybody is feeling the same way i think everybody is feeling lied to i think everybody is feeling vulnerable i think everybody is tired of inflation and these things that are being used to separate to separate us are actually becoming the thing that unites us so i think that there's real opportunity there i i i, I would i would hesitate on everybody but mm -hmm. I would agree with you in, in, on the premise is that, you know, it is coming to a head. You know, we're, we're reaching a precipice where there is, and we've talked a little bit about this, and I've said before, is that we as a human population are, are drumming up some questions. Right. Um, and, you know, we're moving, you know, I don't think any one person could probably articulate exactly what those questions are. But, I, you know, a lot of them are what we talk about. You know, they are these socioeconomic things. They're the reason why Kanye's out there. They're the reason why Kyrie's saying these things. There's, you know, they're the reason why people are really upset. There's a there's a reason why, you know, uh, there's just a lack of faith in the systems that that have existed for the past 250 years in this world. And, and I think as we get closer to that precipice, those questions will become much more clear and the answer to those questions won't be able to be fulfilled by the power structures that are in place. Yeah. I, I often wonder when you look back at systems breaking down, a lot of times they fail spectacularly and a lot, sometimes you need someone to take the fall. When a system goes down, you look at the, when a, when a football team loses, they replace the head coach. When a government, when a company fails, they get a new CEO. They don't really change the bones of it, but they change the face of it. And I'm wondering if what we're seeing here on Tuesday, this idea of a face change, is it really going to solve anything? Or is it just this way to get rid of the head coach? Is it just this way to get rid of the CEO and business as usual? What do you guys think? It's another iteration of bread and service. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I wonder, 
sometimes words are just words, but sometimes words have power. And I think one word we could rally behind is this idea of justice. Like, why is, why does it seem that there is no justice? Why does it seem that when you reach a certain threshold monetarily, you no longer face the same justice as someone down here? Regardless of your skin color, it comes to your bank account. And if you reach this sort of racial bank account, guess what? You now get to be in this type of justice. Your social credit score. Can we, that's, that's. Okay, there you go. It's no longer about any of this other division. It's about your social credit score. And if you're, again, you can move up the layers of this power structure with the right social credit score. And I think on some levels, again, depending on whatever infrastructure replaces this, I feel like we're going to see a darker thing come before it fully breaks. Like, I, like as much as I would love to see revolution and all of a sudden we can like fix this shit, it seems like it needs to get darker it needs to get to a, a world that we kind of envision like sometimes again i know i talk a lot about media and and different films but like you think back to the black mirror series did you guys watch any of those on netflix like these really weird future dystopian perspectives right and sometimes i think media is a little bit of a script of like this is this is what could be coming and to watch those with that eye and seeing like we're there is a dark future that potentially is ahead if we keep going down this path and it feels like we just do like we keep going down this path of like more AI systems and this path of like deep fake technology, like these weird dark, like robots carrying guns. Like, I don't know. There's like dark path there. It seems to be manifesting. I don't know, Ben, what, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, this whole thing gets a lot worse before it gets better. And I think where it gets better is actually the people who are aware uh, what's coming down yeah. the pipeline uh, and establish themselves as in these parallel systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's when, you know, we're going to see the erosions of, of nation states and the rise of, you know, the technocratic city states, if mm -hmm. you will. And that's going to be that dark dystopian kind of setting. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's a very interesting saying, science fiction predates science fact. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when kids grow up and they and they're looking at you know Star Trek and all of these stuffs and communication devices and Dick Tracy talking talking on his watch. Fast forward, yeah. you know, sixty years. Here we are. People have iWatches. People have communication devices in their pocket. You know, we're we're synthetically creating beef. Yeah. You know, we're 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 we have all of the the mechanisms of what we were you know attributing to science fiction 50 60 years ago all of those implementations are you know at different degrees now a part of our world and i think if you take that kind of format and you you apply it at, at a very broad level I, just look at the past 20 years of media of our science fiction of our movies of our things like this vastly dystopian <laughs> yeah yeah it reminds me of orwell's book and i want to mm -hmm. I want to bring this up because I think sometimes pointing out the pattern can help people avoid the pattern. Hmm. So that's why I bring up this. But we're talking science fiction. I'll bring up Orwell. And in Orwell, they talked about Newspeak. And Newspeak was a way of supplanting old speak. And that what they were trying to do was get rid of words so that you could no longer think of things. Mm -hmm. If you can't think of revolution, how could you have it? But what we're seeing today, in my opinion, is the opposite of that. Like you're seeing this. F excess of freedom like there's so many words they're multiplying all of them 
And oh, so, I don't, oh, I, I but, disagree with that completely. Well, well, hang on. Let me let me finish. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll probably, <laughs> maybe I'll change your mind. Right. What I mean by multiplying is not only are we coming up with new words, but we're coming up with new definitions for old words. So you'll have the same word that may mean five different things. And that does the same thing as Newspeak, right? Newspeak was to supplant old speak. It was to supplant the ideas. So now if I talk to a younger guy, I could use the word um, fag or a different word that would mean something different to me that would mean something different to them. And they may get offended or something like that, but it's the same word, but it has a complete different meaning to it. So it's like it's almost like they're hijacking our freedom to define things. They're using this. We we thought, or at least I thought, it would be this constrict, this loss of freedom. But it seems like freedom has been hijacked. Oh, you can choose to be whatever you want to be. You could be a furry. You could be this. So it seems like they they took the they faked right and went left on there. What do you guys think? I I still I still kind of disagree. I think okay. I think, Why? Uh, well, when you have the new speak, all of a sudden we have this this newfangled term misinformation mm. you didn't hear misinformation for a lot you know before five six seven eight years ago and all of a sudden you can't go through any website without seeing misinformation there's ministries of misinformation there's mm. you know there's all of these different uh agencies that are now trying to control speech and i think the illusion of freedom right. is like present that. with with you know what you're talking about and oh i can choose my identity it's an right. illusion of freedom because it you is can't, you can't choose your gender i'm sorry you know you, you were you were you were born a guy or girl there are a few cases of hermaphrodites and things like that but they're very small um uh, you know th now you can choose how you want to express yourself in life and you know and again i think that is kind of an illusion of freedom now too because by having that freedom so to speak you are naturally limiting everybody else's freedom of choice, their freedom of expression. Because if I don't want to call you a furry, George, now all of a sudden I'm you? an evil guy, right? And, you know, I, I said something wrong and all of a sudden you're offended. This isn't a safe space anymore. You know, it, it, I agree. <laughs> isn't, isn't, it, isn't it weird that in 1984 they had that moment of hate? And, you know, you know do you remember the name of the guy they hated? His name was Emmanuel Goldstein. Oh, that's right. Sounds, <laughs> Very sounds <Jewish>. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, George Orwell. <laughs> you know, that's no. pretty, it's pretty interesting to think about. Well, and I think I, I, I agree with Ben. I think that this premise that we hold all these freedoms and we have all these ways of um, the freedom of expressing ourselves and that everything has shifted into your expression um and how you express yourself online and again within all of that there is a constriction and it's 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 this like we don't have freedom we don't have this idea of, of pure liberty um you know to to go out there and say say the things that you want to say um and again because there's just been this constriction so it's to me at the end of the day we are living in new speak like I was, I was listening to uh, an astrologer that I really respect. He was going deep on uh, Nostradamus. Like, if you want to go deep on like prophecies in astrology, this dude is like on a different level. So, anyways, he was talking about though, like right now in astrology, they're like they're the new astrologers, like the TikTok astrologers, are like changing 
the names, the meanings of the celestial spiritual bodies. And they're now changing it even to like an LGBTQ, like they, them. And he's like, you can't fuck with celestial bodies. You can't say that, you know, Mars carries this they energy. Mars is the masculine energy. You can't fuck with that shit. But they are. And that's new speak. It's changing the way that we think about stuff and then telling us that, like, this is your this is going to help you shape your reality because our words are powerful. They do create. And so when we're we have to pay attention to what we can and cannot say. And that's what I always think back to like influencers, regardless of who they are, or their personalities or whatever, when they start getting in fire from the authorities, what are they like? Why? Like, why is that like, you know, is that worth paying attention to? Is new speak shaping that in some way, shape or form that I need to be paying attention to? Yeah, sometimes I think the repercussions of what happens to somebody is where the real message is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, it seems to me too, that, you know, and, and for, for people who may have gone to Asia and may have a better understanding, I would love to get anybody's perspective on that. You know, it seems to me that there's this idea of discipline or like the social credit score is a form. It's like a soft tyranny. It's like a form of discipline. Like, Okay, you didn't say that right. You can't have that. It's like you take away things. You're not really punishing people. You're just slowly taking away their ability to be who they are. And in doing so, you're shaping who they are. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost more violent, but it's much more subtle like that. Mm-hmm. And I see that same system, the social credit score, creeping in here. How does that get sold to us? Is, is that a, like... Does that get sold to us in the idea of like, look, we're all the same, per- we're all the same people. So we're going to have this new social score. You know, we don't need borders. We have the social credit score. The social credit score is the border. You know, is, is that the way it's being sold to us? Or what, do you th- what are your thoughts on that? I think it'll be sold to us with, again, sheep. It's always about a wolf in a sheep's clothing. So the way it'll show up, it'll be like, oh, this is the right, like, this is the right way. That's how you move people into a, uh, an egregious social credit score level is because they've bought into energetically the right way. Like that's mm. what they're shifting their energy to. So they're all agreeing. Like enough people have to agree that for you to be a five-star person is going to require X, Y, and Z. And so then they're going to shift and make sure that, you know, that's everybody has to have that uh, be their same premise because otherwise the social credit score doesn't work. And I think that's what we've seen in this division of the last, you know, you look at racism, you look at abortion, you look at the vaccination, you look at all these things and they're, they're creating the foundation of social credit because what you agree, if you agree with the narrative, then you have social credit. If you disagree with the narrative, you're lowering your social credit. So they're going to bring it to us by these things that are appearing very good and we should all be getting the vaccination and this is for everyone. And, you know, this like, you know, black lives do matter. And so like, again, these things that we all can believe in socially. And then that's where they freaking still steal it all away. All the freedom. Yeah, there is there is a you know, if you play along with the narrative, you seem to kind of fail up in this world. Uh, and that's been true for a long time, but now it's becoming yeah. more true on, you know, a broader scale. 
And I think where you actually see the implementation of a social credit system come in is because you're, you know, well, you already have the World Economic Forum's talking about a great reset. You'll own nothing and you'll like it. And I think what we're going to see coming down the pike is in your massive city centers where you have 12, 18 million people, you know, it's going to become untenable to live in those places. And when it does, all of a sudden, this universal basic income is going to come and save everybody. But guess what? In order to get your universal basic income, you have to sign up for the app. What's the app? It's the social credit app. And if you and you're going to and it's going to be enticing, right? It's going to be not only do you get three, four, five thousand dollars a month, you also get your rent taken care of and you get your groceries taken care of. And you have all this money to just go have a leisure time and, and enjoy yourself. And through that, you know, uh, the removal of property rights will happen. Uh, the gradual erosion of freedoms will continue to, uh, you know, progress. Uh, and I think that's kind of how they implement that system going forward. I think we yeah. just wrote maybe an uh, outline of a new sci-fi <laughs> book. Like, let's, let's go play in that world, man. Like, because, yeah, I could see it. I feel that same, like, energy that, that they just keep kind of putting us. Like, you see that, like, I think it's in either Saudi Arabia or Dubai, but they're building, like, that four-mile-long enclosure. <laughs> Saudi, Arabia. Seen that? Yeah. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Right? Think about that. Like, uh, like what do they say? Like over fifty million or hundred or five hundred million people could live there. Something yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. So like everybody lives in this container. And what does that world look like? Right. And again, Judge you see Dredd. these things. What's that? Judge Dredd. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It's cr- and 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 then you start thinking too, like how they're you know the narrative again is starting to really demonize nature, right? demonize the sun, demonize eating meat, demonize these things in exchange for the stuff that we can produce for you and the stuff that like, right. And again, I'll tell you, like I was, I went plant-based for three years and I was like, I I needed a shift and I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit of like not eating meat and, and kind of this thing. And and it's been interesting because over the last eight months, I reintroduced meat to my diet and I've started to see some of the lies that like they tell, like, again, the, this craziness that the cows and their methane are fucking up our environment. Like, OK, really? Like, that's bullshit. Like, yes. Is the sourcing of our meat really important? That changed for me 100 percent, like being more mindful of the meat that I eat, but also realizing like it's just an interesting way. They're demonizing nature. They're taking away these things that that those of us that stay awake to it are like the whole, the whole world is out there for you. You don't have to play in this world anymore. Like you can, and again, that's where you're going to start seeing parallel economies, right? Hey guys, you don't have to play that game. We're going to go play the Mr. Wizard game because that's far better for us. And so, yes, we're going to sacrifice our consumerism. We may not have as many luxuries, but we're free and we can be ourselves. Right. I mean, is that the idea of parallel economies? Right. And it's also, you know, that's just a temporary, you know, that's the, that's the transition transitional period right um you know uh, an interesting thing i just saw today el salvador right uh they adopted bitcoin as a, a as a national currency what was it eight months ago or something like yeah. that they just released like their national or maybe it was a year ago because they just released their stats uh crime had dropped like 95 percent in many places tourism was up 50 percent um you know everything was up and in everything mm-hmm. that was bad was down and this is El Salvador. 
And I've been to El Salvador when it was El Salvador. And it was a pretty hairy place. Um, but everything I'm hearing is, you know, a lot of good stuff coming out of there because you into what George talks about, they they gave opportunity back to the people. Hmm. And so no longer did they have to resort to gangsters and violence and all of these because they had no choice. Now all of a sudden they have they got a little bit more choice, a freedom of choice in the world. And through that parallel economy, it's risen all of those ships with that time. Hmm. But I love yeah. how like you see, you know, in the last year, Bit has crashed, right? The whole narrative, like the building of Bit where we were, you know, eight months ago when it was at some of its new highs. And then it's interesting, like the shift and then everything crashed around it. And this narrative that El Salvador is in chaos. Like if you see it in the mainstream media, it's like Bitcoin it's didn't work. Exactly, right? <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's like at what well, point? Yeah, and, and, and you know, Bitcoin didn't crash. It didn't hit zero. It just went from 60,000 to 20,000. Right. But uh, 12, when did I get into it? 20, 2012, it started at zero. Yeah. You know, I bought my first Bitcoin for 180 bucks after it went up to $1,200 and crashed down to $100. And people are like, ah, see, mm -hmm. internet money, it doesn't work. And then I was like, wait a second, let me go look at this. Because I had heard about it before when it first started. And then like, I saw that rise and I was like, damn, I should have did that. And then I saw the fall. And then I was like, well, let me go take a second look at this. And, you know, and then it was all, then I realized what the potential was. And then I was mm. like, aha, here we go. Uh, and, and, and this is, and, you know, back when people were starting that, everybody was super anonymous because the idea was, everybody who was aware of the implications of what this could mean was like, wow, the people who have power and authority in this world, if they know this, they're going to kill everybody mm. <laughs> because is that it's that it was that game changing. Uh, it, it just, it's a revolutionary shift because it takes the cost of trust in the world and reduces it to the cost of electricity. Now, if you think about the cost of trust in the world, uh, you know, institutions, banks, lawyers, notaries, all of these things, you have this massive overhead. And not only that, you have the gatekeepers, barriers of entry to business and all these other things. This democratizes it all. And that's where these parallel economies are going to rise. And then that transitionary period where, yeah, you're not going to have those as much amenities will completely shift to these are where the places of abundance are going to be found. Yeah. In some ways, maybe that's what all the panic is about. When we look at, when you look at the world economic forum and they're like, we've got to step up our agenda. That, that seems like panic to me. You know, when you hear the outlandishness, like we're all going to die of a nuclear war, that seems like panic to me. And when you start seeing the, you know, when you, when you look through the window of the internet and you see this chaos, but then you look outside your living room window and there's kids playing on skateboards and, you know, you're like, yeah, it looks pretty nice out there. I don't know what these people are talking about. Then you look back at the window of the internet and everyone's dying and you, know, you look back out your window and the trees blowing and, you know, what's, what's the true picture of what's really happening in the world? Maybe this is what freedom looks like. Maybe the people that have had a firm grasp on power are getting buttery fingers, you know, and they're starting to see that the ways in which they've ruled the world no longer work, whether it's by hook or crook, it's, it's not working and they're getting nervous. They're getting scared. And when in scared, when you back someone into a corner, what do they do? They come out swinging. 
I think, I think it's interesting, Ben, that you brought and and also kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, George, about like kind of who, what is the catalyzing movement of this revolution, right? What is this thing? Like, what is this this movement really begin to look like? And I feel like Ben, you, the the idea that you know what bit introduced ten years ago as it came online, it was the beginning of a revolution, and we so often think of revolutions in you know. Um, months or events, right? Like we think about the movement of, of Dr. King and we look at it from the perspective of events. We don't think about it in the timeline, the eight years, right? Or the decade of work and whatnot that he had to go through. And so, you know, when we think about the revolution a bit, like we, it's not done. It isn't even really, like, has it even uh, has started, started really? So, yeah. And then there's ways to measure that actually. So, you know, you can, you can measure it via market penetration uh, and, you know, uh, you're you're an you're a, a marketing guy. You probably heard of S curve economics, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever a product uh, comes to fruition, it takes X amount of time to get to about ten percent market penetration, and then it used to be in the same time it would go up to about ninety percent market penetration, mm -hmm. and then kind of level out. Now it's it's at, that time frame is actually a little bit reduced. So now it's actually rap more rapid. Mm -hmm. Well, Bitcoin probably hit about 10% market penetration, maybe right before COVID kicked off. Mm. And then, so, you know, COVID being what it was kind of stalled everything a little bit, but now you're seeing, you know, uh, then you had in that, the midst of that, then you have the things like El Salvador adopting it as a national currency. And you're gonna, we're gonna see a wave of, and it's, it is not necessarily gonna be Bitcoin per se, but it's gonna be cryptocurrency slash blockchain technology uh, as kind of the foundation of these things, because it allows us to utilize technology to enable the individual. Did Ben just say that the government released the virus as a way to slow down? No, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. I'm trying not to get assassinated. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> what can you can and cannot say? Um, <laughs> right? It's but it's interesting to think about and to see that that movement and to see those things. And again, hindsight, like as we were thinking about, again, the, the, the stuff that we're hearing, like hindsight 20 is 2020, right? And it's a bitch at the end of the day. Like, so we can say these things, but I feel like we can look at history and we have the gift of hindsight and we have to realize in the moment we can't judge right again, to your point, Ben, there's no absolutes. Like, is what's being said, like, how do we, again, take that perspective and and apply it as like, are we on the right side or on the wrong side of, of this thinking here? And and again, instead of picking a side, how do we elevate into that no absolute, you know, kind of non-dualistic perspective with these uh, controversial figures like Kyrie and, and Kanye? Like, how do we look at them from a different angle than the this or that type of energy that we're put into right now? You know, I, I've noticed something happening in society, and I, and I think it, it, it speaks well to what you said, Jay. Like, when we think about the way the world has worked for so long, you know, it was like you had to be part of a team. You had to be part of an organization. It wasn't really what you know. It was who you know. You had to be part of this structure. Yeah, to, to, to blow up, right? But now, like, when I look at the internet and I see a – my daughter watches uh, this kid called Ryan's World. And like, here's a lady that was just had her kid on TV. And then the boom, they blew up. 
Huh. And it's, you know, if, if you look at each individual like a popcorn kernel, it seems like what's happening is individuals are blowing up. Boom, boom, boom. Like you no longer need a huge structure to, for one person to blow up. You don't need the entire tribe to blow up one person. Now the individual is becoming their mm. own popcorn. And they're like, it's happening slow, yeah. like, just like a popcorn machine. Like pop, 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 pop. There's all these small people that are like, dude, who's that guy? Where'd that guy come from? Look at this influencer. Who's this guy? Like all of a sudden, like you're seeing this explosion of individuals becoming the thing. And I, like, I see the society changing like that. And maybe that's upon all of us to become our own popcorn kernel. And I think we are like, we're all beginning to blow up in our own way. And it's like, we're finally have found the place where we can become this thing without needing a government behind us, without needing a huge team behind us. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to remain a Colonel. <laughs> colonel Powell. Not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Paul's not making this transition guys. <laughs> I disagree. I think Paul's I, already made a huge transition. I was going to say, he's, he's probably already podcast. Popped. Yeah, he's sitting yeah. on this podcast. Uh, no, and, you know, this is, I've been, uh, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time and we've talked a little bit about the Terra Libre project, but this is kind of the underlying premise is, you know, when you can enable the individual to actually just, you know, be fruitful, multiply, mm. uh, live from a point of abundance. And uh, and also give them a voice in the, the the ongoings of the system. Now all of a sudden, that's what changes the system. That's what mm-hmm. that's the shift in society that personally I think we need because mm-hmm. you know these archaic structures obviously are not working for everybody. If they were, you know, we wouldn't have billions of people in poverty. We wouldn't have the richest people raping resources at every single step of the of, of the journey uh you know it would be a very different dichotomy that would that would, ha- that would occur and i think that's i think that's what we're moving to as a populace as a as just a, a global not even a society but just a global population in 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 some places more so than others obviously hmm. yeah it's fascinating yeah. to think about the you know, I, I think it was Rockefeller who said competition is a sin. And if like, how long can that model hold? Like, think about how weak something gets when you don't allow for competition. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't allow for competition, then the, the one who's the leader becomes old and feeble and the, the emperor has no clothes. Pretty soon some kid comes up and it just blows him out of the water. I, I listened to a uh, Elon Musk today. He, he was being interviewed by like barons or something like that and it was an odd interview but some of the stuff he said in there blew my mind one of the questions was you know elon you have spacex and you know you're able to build these rockets and these launch pads that while they cost maybe 10 billion dollars you know companies like lockheed martin you know they want to build a launch pad it takes them 50 years and they started at 10 billion but now it's at 50 billion you did it in a year with 10 billion. Why do you think that is? And he's just like, well, I already have enough people that want to kill me, you know, so I think I'll, I'll watch what I'm saying here. But the truth is, like, you know, maybe they're not doing, maybe they're really not trying that hard, you know? And they said the same thing about Tesla. He goes, you know, when you, when you began building Teslas, 
you know, you were able to come in and build 20 million cars in X amount of time. Like, how did you do that? And he goes, well, it turns out the majority of parts on cars are pointless. He's like, we can just, we have casts. We don't need all these parts. We just put them in a cast and we stick them together. And he goes, it's so interesting to me because, you know, I'm going through the floor and I'm looking at all these things and we have these problems with engineering. And I asked my engineers, why are we backed up on this rod right here? What does it do? And they're like, we don't know. We don't really think it does anything. And he goes, well, let's pull it out. Turns out that rod that was there didn't do anything of significance, you know? And so it's and like, that's what I mean when there's no competition, nothing ever gets better. The, the way we've been manufacturing garbage is just been the guys at the top. Like we got it covered. We're not going to fix anything. We don't want any competition. We're making all the money. It's fine. We don't need to move forward. We don't, we don't need disruption. Disruption's a problem for us. But that makes it so easy for disruption. And like that's kind of where we're at, too, today, it seems like. I would agree. Well said. You know, mm -hmm. it's interesting because there was a point in this country where we realized that as a nation, you know, we had the anti-monopoly laws, right? We broke up uh, Bell South. We broke up parts of Microsoft. And then, you know, as soon as as soon as a few laws changed and as soon as a few more lobbyists got their their little grubby fingers around politicians, uh, all of a sudden that got revoked in the Obama days. Uh, and here we are where, where things are now monopolistic again. You know, you have the Amazons you, you do that basically own everything. They keep buying, you have Google, you have all these things where they wouldn't be allowed to function under those laws. So we, at one point we did realize it. And then the power structures that were in place probably saw it declination in their bottom line and realize, hey, we could do something about this. Why don't we do something about this? Well, I feel like on some levels, even that quote is a form of new speak, right? Getting it mm -hmm. into people's ideas of this, like the, the, the basically the autocrat, autocratic perspective of like what we live in and under right now is that at the end of the day, the, the money, the power structures are not the government, right? It's the fact that like, it's all these corporations that we look like competitors, but like, I just saw today, like Apple has, is valuation is higher than Amazon, Facebook mm -hmm. and Google combined. Yeah. They're in the like, trillions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that? Right? Like what, what lie are we being told about the competition between those companies and like the way it's all going and like what monopoly does Apple truly hold right at the end of the day over everything else? And what does that mean? And what is that, you know, like the idea that like in China, people, because of the COVID laws were shut down, they were living in the factories for a month at a time to push out the new iPhone. Like what, what is that saying about our society? Like when you have the most, you know, the highest evaluation of a company, like $4 trillion or not trillion, but um, do you remember what it was? I think it's I think it's one point four trillion. Okay. Yeah, one point four trillion. But yeah, a trillion dollars. That's insane to think about that one organization would hold that kind of valuation and they can force people to be slaves. Slave labor. Yes, yeah. it's all off slave labor. And yeah. so I feel like yeah, it's, it's that again that, that these are the infrastructures that are gonna begin to crack and break. And how are they gonna try to keep it in all control? And I think it'll just be they've built the ecosystem of being able to, to turn it around relatively quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it's a huge monolith and it's not going to end abruptly, right? This is, these things are going to take time to, to play themselves out for sure. But I think, you know, exactly that, 
um, how can a company be the most profitable company in the world has a greater GDP than most nations on the planet and yet still be allowed to, you know, use slave labor to prop themselves up. What does that say about us as people? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and those are the kinds of things that by the via the advent of mass communication that we're beginning to get to that point of conversation in the, in the, the larger zeitgeist. Hmm. And that's why you have all these red herrings like climate change, vaccines, like, Absolutely. hey, don't talk about these things. Talk about these things over here. These are what you're allowed to fight about. Don't talk. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about our slave labor and our one point four trillion dollars. That doesn't matter. What matters is that the climate has gone up four degrees and you're going to be living underwater pretty soon. Yeah. But <laughs> did you know that once they're able to utilize carbon as, uh, and put it on the individual, that it's about a 20 trillion dollar industry? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Because now you're going to have okay, to measure your carbon our... footprint. Yeah, you're going to have to right? measure Another... your carbon footprint. I, I think that that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like that is just pure greed, you know. And you can see people pure. that it is without a doubt, without a doubt. But I, I think that that is, you know, that's the that is the uh, the temple that doesn't quite get built because they're like, mm, yeah, it's probably not going to work. But I don't know. No, I think the narrative. Hard. They're pushing they it hard, and you can't argue climate change anymore. If you yeah, were to yeah, say, to. if you were to say and question climate change, your social credit score is gonna like that's gonna be almost as bad as some of this racism stuff. It's getting there to be like to question on a deeper level, like what's really going on, what's being uh, manipulated, right? Yeah, it, LinkedIn is banning people left and right. Yeah. From wow, questioning know. climate oh, yeah. change. So that, and again, the nice thing is, is proof's in the pudding, right? Oh, I've experienced climate change. My goodness, Colorado, you know, had a, a different climate than the, the last two years. And, you know, like we can observe it. Oh, we're getting more hurricanes. Like, so, so whatever's happening, we can, we can have an, an example to say, there it is. But I, that's the, but can we yeah. question the why? Right. And from the science perspective, the climate is changing. This is the great, right. uh, it, it's such a great scam, right? Because the climate is changing and it's, um, and especially if we take like the breadth of geology and we look at like, say the Cambrian mm -hmm. explosion, right? Um, uh, carbon dioxide was a thousand times more prevalent in the atmosphere than it is today. Uh, we're, we're here, so obviously the world didn't end, but the climate did change. Uh, there was ice ages, many ice ages and meltings through that whole process for the past few million years. Uh, and we have now records of this from a geological perspective to, to good evidence to suggest that, yeah, the climate changes. In fact, it's pretty cyclical in the way that it changes. Mm -hmm. And we can actually kind of predict those cycles. So now if I'm in a position of authority, and I know the climate's going to change, and I can all of a sudden figure out a way to profit from that, I'm King Dingling. Mm. And I think that's where we're at today. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look at the ice cores. They they drill out of Greenland, right? Like, there's so much history. Look at a farmer's almanac. You know, it's all it's all right there. Superstitious. That's not real history. <laughs> that might be the truest form of history is a farmer's almanac. You know right. what I mean? Like that. Those things are awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, I um, you know, it, it begins to 
it just fits together so well. Like what? Let's let's jerk the wheel hard to the right here and talk back into the world of science fiction. What do you guys think are the chances of us being hit by some sort of cataclysm? I know Ben and I have talked about this in some time, and there's plenty of history that shows that we constantly get bombarded at dirt at different seasons in the galactic year we're definitely at risk from a real climate change event you know maybe this uh, this fight for resources maybe this fight for you know uh all these threats that are happening are because we could potentially be entering some sort of climactic cataclysmic event so you know i think this is something again it's interesting looking at it from like a a perspective of astrology, right? Okay. And there's there's an interesting way of thinking. Again, if we look at this from a more spiritual perspective and the celestial bodies and creation, right? That some sort of divine order, this thing is inspired in some way, shape, or form. That it, when it when it was created, it's it kind of predestined the the energies because the energies became cyclical, right? And so there is a predestination of how the Earth is going to move. There is a predestination that. Tuesday night is a solar eclipse, right? It was a pre, it's a beautifully, yeah, or sorry, a lunar eclipse, not solar, lunar eclipse. So it's this beautiful like predestination. We know at this time, there's this thing that's going to take place. And so when you think about these, these, these cataclysmic events that have happened, are, were they predestined in some way, shape or form in the order of like knowing what would be needed to reset humanity into its next cycle and its evolutionary patterns of growth? And like is maybe the most scary thing that we've ever done as humanity is freaking flew a satellite into an asteroid and changed that. <laughs> like we altered something that had never been altered before. And that was something that was predestined to move through space. I don't know. How does that, how does that land? Is that too so, far out there? No, uh, it actually all connects together. Uh, right? George, George, you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> Tell me something we don't know. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, well, come on, Mr. Wizard. I feel like some wizardy is about to come out and I'm excited for it. All right. So, Everything is cyclical, right? Um, and those are that's those cycles are in relation to uh, to all of our celestial things. The zodiac, for instance, is a whole part of this. Uh, it mm -hmm. takes us approximately twenty five thousand nine hundred twenty years to uh, go through our procession through the equinoxes, right? Or I'm sorry, procession through the through the different zodiacs. Mm -hmm. uh, that period is also our dance with the star Sirius. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Uh, and so that dance, uh, that period of time, a half cycle of that is 12,960 years. If you look at the geologic data on this planet, the cyclical cataclysms that happen have a period of about 13,000 years. This is where, like, uh, Randall Carlson talks about this. This is the Younger Dryas impact theory that, that he claims. But if you if you look at the cyclical nature of it, you know, his idea is that uh, kind of what George stated is that we're going around the galactic plane takes us 250 some thousand years. Uh, and in that that traversing, there's periods of cataclysm. However, it seems that it's much more consistent than that. And so how would it be much more consistent is because there's uh, there's a dance between the Earth and the sun and the sun is, you know, it's a ball of energy. It gives us all life. It also has seems to have a history of destroying life on this planet. Uh, 
you know, these solar outbursts and, mm -hmm. you know, this goes into the yuga cycles from, from Hinduism and all sorts of stuff. So this all connects together. Yeah. Uh, so these cyclical events, these destructive events, they're actually triggered by uh, waves moving out from the galactic center. These mm -hmm. waves, the period of that wave is just happens to be 12,920, 60 mm -hmm. years, somewhere in there. Uh, that period, and we actually, James Webb Telescope just saw a picture of this. And if you saw the picture where it looked like there was ripples in the galaxy, mm. that's exactly what this is. And so whenever those ripples impact our heliosphere, it, it switches the polarity of the sun, kicks out a micronova event. Those things are recorded in um, trees, all sort, uh, ice cores, all sorts of stuff. So... <clears throat> Yes. <laughs> and George, I didn't want to really get into this on a, <laughs> on a live broadcast, but here I know. we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the idea is, and you know, what George was holding up there is Hapgood's book. There's the Adam and Eve story. There's, uh, what book is know, that? That's this the is Adam called, yeah. Oh, okay. Chan Thomas. It's, okay. uh, blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. You would like it too. Cause it gets into a lot of the, um, the celestial bodies. You know, what? one point he brings up in the book too is that if you wanted to write a language for future generations to, to understand, you wouldn't write it on a stone. Yeah. You wouldn't write it on a leaf. You wouldn't write it in pen. You'd write it in the sky. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I mean, that's what constellations are, right? Like, isn't it weird that the age of Aquarius is a giant God dumping a giant jug of water on what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Hey, man, maybe we're going to get wet by this God up here. He's going to dump this water on us. You know, and it, it happens all the time. And if you look at the ways in which people paid attention to the sky, you know, before they went with the Mars, they, mm -hmm. them energy, you know, there was a different <laughs> language behind it, it. Yeah. And that was for a reason. Like if you look at the way in which previous societies paid so much attention to the astral beings, like that was for a reason. There's cycles that happen. Mm -hmm. The same way we have summer and winter on our planet, so too do we have summer and winter in the galactic year, right? Like mm -hmm. as we go around the gal galaxy, as we go around the universe, there's different cycles. And it's, you know, but this is where it gets in the idea of the great reset. Like that to me lines up. Ben, I don't know how you memorize all these dates. Like you're pretty damn spot on on them though. When I was just looking at that yeah, book, I'm like, yeah, he's pretty much on yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's it's interesting to think that, you know, there's a real possibility that, you know, the Great Reset is, in fact, a great reset. And like that makes sense why you see people scrambling for resources. That makes sense why you see people building bunkers. Like it's not because of nuclear war, but it's something probably more destructive. You know, it's it's fascinating so, to think about. For context, there was an event in uh, 1859, something like that. It was called the Carrington and it was uh it was a solar flare not even a micronova just a flare uh, i think it was an x32 x33 x34 something like that uh but it actually ignited telegraph lines so the lines that telegraphs were were transferred through at the time made of copper ignited them uh set all the transmission stations on fire this was this was back then when we didn't use electricity. We didn't have copper wiring yeah. in all of our motors and all of our systems. If and, and this is actually, you know, uh, by observation of other astronomical bodies, other stars, 
it's actually on the lower end of what our star is capable in, in a super flare or a micronova event. So if you imagine just a Carrington event happening, just a, a super flare happening, all of a sudden, you know, imagine everything copper inducting so much current that it ignites on fire. Every house, every car, every building. There's nothing that we, we have in our modern society that's not completely inundated with metal, conductive materials. It would, it would destroy society in an instant. And we have recorded knowledge that our son does this. It's not like we're woo-woo here. And I think we got a little woo because Paul's not talking, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, these, these, we, have, we have a lot of, a growing body of evidence for all of this stuff. I, and, yeah, go ahead. No, keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, I was done. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I have a good buddy that it works on the grid as an electrician. And I, we were talking one night and, like, one of the ideas came up, like, well, you know, what's one of your greatest fears and he was like, freaking solar flare. Like if that, if that hit our grid, we would be done in done. an instant. And we, and it's, it will happen. It's been yeah. recorded. It could happen at any moment. And we would have no, no, um, you know, forewarning. Right. And then, so the correlation to the cycles that we're talking about is, you know, to that James Webb picture, which is fascinating to see, you know, uh, because it's, we are, we've only really postulated that this could happen and there is some evidence to suggest that there is you know <clears throat> imagine a giant wave that its breadth is about 13,000 years and so through that 13,000 year period you know that's the polarity of the sun and then all of a sudden that polarity shifts as the wave goes into its its trough or or its peak and by the polarity shifting on the sun that's where you get these massive releases of energy. You know, it's just like, you know, turning on a light switch or turning off a light switch. You're you're completely changing the current. And so, yeah, it, it's very interesting. And there's a lot of evidence to it. Uh, I'm trying to do it justice, but I, <laughs> damn it, George. <laughs> well, it's, it's just so fast. Like, I, I like thinking about it. It's a fun thought experiment. Like, wouldn't you want to, like, begin transitioning the population to work together hey guess what bugs could be fun to eat hey, guess what? you know what i mean maybe you could eat lab-grown meat you know because they're gonna kill all the cow you know like maybe there won't be any animals around you know or you know it just seems like you could see this as a a way of slowly conditioning people to think something so if well, something did happen you'd already be up and running well let's go sci-fi let's just <laughs> say you had foreknowledge of this event coming Right. And let's say right. you're pretty damn certain it's going to happen. And you and your group of buddies in the power go, well, how the hell are we going to survive this? Well, we need it. We definitely need some people. Right. We, we can't we can't get rid of all of them. So we need to figure out a way to kind of, you know, get the people that we want and not the people that we don't. And we don't want to have mass chaos when all of this goes down. We don't want all sorts of looting and rioting. So. If people didn't own anything, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. just I, now I'm getting a little out there, but <laughs> maybe we I'm could maybe we maybe we could come up with some sort of shot to test medicine on people to see how well, they react to it before the thing came. I'm surprised we're still live and YouTube hasn't shut us down. <laughs> the night is young. The night is young. <laughs> 
Well, back to that point of the, again, this idea of our celestial bodies is interesting. Like Nostradamus said basically that, that men during the day are in a trance. Like that we're just like, we can't see the truth. We can't see what's really going on and that it's only in the night, only when it's in the dark and, you know, late and that you can really begin to see nature like and and really see something that's far bigger than ourselves. And it's interesting how through light pollution and and we've had this disconnect from the stars. And we think it's oh maybe the stars have burnt out or like all these weird, you know, like why we see less. It's like no, like if you were really under the stars, you would pay attention to them. And what happens when you pay attention to them is you're giving your power maybe to the thing that should hold your power, not the institution that's telling you what to believe. And, you know, what, how does that begin to awaken us of understanding this stuff by starting to do the work and spend our time under the stars? Yeah. Are the stars out there in Colorado Springs? They're pretty, pretty great. <laughs> I, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a fisherman on the ocean. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty compared, compared comparatively, they're shitty. But we're, it's not, we don't have a super bright city. Compared to like Denver, I feel like our light pollution is not horrible. Haven't seen the Milky Way since the 80s. No, haven't. Wow. Not in the same way. Not not in Colorado Springs. Yep. Nice. Well, gentlemen, I got to shut it down a little early today. I got a good. I uh, have a great time, man. I want to say thank you to everybody. This is it's always a real pleasure for me, and I I really enjoy the conversations. But before we go, why don't we go around the horn and people can uh, say what they got coming up and where people can find them. Ben, let's start with you. Uh, BenjaminCGeorge.com, uh, the No Absolutes podcast, starting to get kicking off and rolling. I'm a little bit slow because I've been doing some tech stuff, but uh, starting to wrap that up, so hopefully kick it into another gear. Uh, I'm excited for more conversations like this, really. This is just fun. Yeah. Mm. Jason, what do you got coming on, my friend? Say I am at Experience Integration on Instagram, also.com. If you want to check out any of the stuff that I've got, my podcast is Telling Secrets. Um, every week we're dropping episodes. Just did this one this last week on being alcohol-free and what my story was around that. So that was kind of fun to put out into the world. Um, and otherwise, same. I'm just excited for more of these kind of fun conversations. Absolutely. And, and Jason, if is it, where is your podcast available? Is it on all platforms or on YouTube or where, where it can is I lar- uh, Spotify and Apple? Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Largely. Fantastic. And Paul, what, what can people find you at my friend? If anywhere. Yeah. Um, so actually, Uh-oh. um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been working with some guys for a number of years now. We're finally, we're, we're able to, we newly formed um, called the Hawaii Dark Sky Association, and, um, and I'm the newly elected vice president of it. And nice. we out there, you know, protecting Hawaii's dark skies for all the reasons we got through. You guys mainly got through, the, but um, um, I'll have some stuff to be able to share with you guys hopefully in the upcoming weeks. Hell yeah! Very that cool. sounds fascinating. Very nice. Okay. Well, that's what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for participating in this live event and spending time with us. And um, I hope everybody has a beautiful day. That's all we got for today. Aloha. Aloha.
taking a moment to hang out with me in the true life podcast i truly appreciate it if you're taking some time to listen to this whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way i truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart additionally i would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances i really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine i've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, 
then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.